Welcome to the debut podcast. This is Cedric Clark. And I'm Kojo Mensabonsu. First things first, here's a simplistic breakdown of the debut acronym. We're going to bring it from a perspective of being D, diverse individuals that have experienced A, athletics at a high level, with a guess what? Successful transition to B, the business world. That leads us to the fact that your potential is actually you, unlimited, if you're willing to put in the work. That's the D-A-B-U debut. Let's be clear, our goal here is not to tell you how to think, how to feel, or how to act. But we are obligated to share the truth in correlation to our experiences, which has fueled our perspectives. So let's not waste time getting into this conversation, Cole. Let's get it. Let's do it. It's an urge, truth be told. Every champion has felt it. Every president has felt it. Every king has felt it. Every lion has felt it. Every winner has felt it. Every soldier has felt it. Every victorious person has felt it. The urge to quit. Don't you give up on your dream. I don't care if you don't have the money you don't have the help and you don't have the family for it and you don't have the background for it and you don't have the friends for it don't you give up on your dream don't you do it don't you do it don't you do it it may take you twice as long you may have to take courses and classes you might not read as fast you might not move as quick you might not have as much but don't you quit don't you quit don't you quit. You do make a difference. If you lose a job, keep the faith. If you lose a spouse, keep the faith. If you bury your child, keep the faith. If you have to downsize, keep the faith. If you have to move in with your mama, keep the faith. If you have your wits in, keep the faith. If you have to catch the bus, keep the faith. If you have to dumb, keep the faith. If you get sick, keep the faith. If you lose your kidneys, keep the faith. If you got heart trouble, keep the faith. Mm. Man. So that was Bishop T.D. Jakes, a motivational video on YouTube titled Don't Quit. And I love that piece for so many different reasons, which will become apparent later on in the session. But that really captured a mindset that I was, I totally subscribed to at that period of time in my life. And now I've gone to the place where I've reached the goal, right? I'm at a major division one college ready to play basketball. Well, let me, you know, I want to jump in because when I think of that quote from Bishop T.D. Jakes, I think you're still going to have this dynamic of of that challenge that he put out there is, you know, these these feelings of maybe thinking about, is this right? Should I quit? And so I want to take the listeners back. We're going to start with, you know, your want to play Division One basketball as you found out your love for that. And then we're going to jump into now, you know, you raise money, you get to the States and you're on your way in some sort of fashion. When you think about the ACC tournament that you're in, what, the third day? Camp, you know, yeah. Or the camp, yeah. The third day, you already got a Division One scholarship. So, it's starting to happen. You're you're starting to get recognized. There's all American players that are saying that, you know, they love your game. There's coaches, you're getting letters. And 
what happens, you know, next is, you know, you get out of your senior year and you're on a pretty darn good team. You get out of your senior year and the NCAA clearinghouse sends you a letter hmm. that has information that is in nowhere in the rule book about you having to take a course of African-American history. <laughs> That's the reason why you can't actually accept a scholarship and you're going to be considered a Prop 48 to where actually it's going to touch your pocket. You actually have to pay yeah. for a part of your school. And then, you know, I've, I've used this term, you're relegated to JUCO and Champlain. And I, I say that humbly because that sure. was a great opportunity. And you yeah. talked about how you looked at it as a blessing and, you know, you guys got to the lead eight and you got a really great squad. I think seven of those players on the team, I think in your senior year, got the opportunity to play at a higher level, I think at a division one level. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you know, coach Eastman comes along and you feel like his character and how, cause you're really big on, I call it discernment with mm-hmm. people. You felt good. Like this is, you know, a, the right coach and this is going to be the right place. And you get to Washington state and let me let the cat out of the bag. You actually, Kojo, when we get to Wazoo, you get injured before you even play a game. And we're going to start the season kind of without your services. Yeah. And so, yes, we made it to Division One basketball, but it doesn't seem like it's this, hey, we roll out the carpet and we're going to ride into the sunset and you're going to have this amazing career. I'm going to start there and, and I'd love for you to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, well, what did keep you from quitting and what was your mindset when you think about that? Yeah. So quitting was never an option. I just never had it on the table. Yeah. If I was going to fail, I was going to fail big, right? I was going to go out with a bang, right? And then give it everything I had and fail because I wasn't able to succeed, not because I quit, right? Which in my mind is different. And so, as you said, I, I arrived on campus, I, I went ahead and played in World University Games again. Yeah. Had a really good yeah. tournament. And I I get to campus and workouts are going well, mm-hmm. preseason's going well. And literally right at the end of preseason before we start the season, yeah. I tear my meniscus. <laughs> a knee injury. Knee injury. I tear my meniscus. First time I've been injured in my life. Mm-hmm. I have to go under the knife. First surgery didn't take, actually, knee swelled up and they had to go back in another mm. 48 hours later because I remember it Carl. didn't cauterize properly. And yep. It's interesting what, like, the battle that goes on inside the mind. Mm. You create these narratives. Yeah. Or you either listen to the narrative about yourself. Yeah. And maybe the truth falls somewhere in between. In the middle, yep. yep. But I've now created a narrative that is require me to behave in a way that isn't conducive to me healing in time yeah, or being the most productive, right? And so what ends up happening is, like, I'm not going to be there for preseason. And we've got a, you know, we got a big team. I think we had seven, eight players over six, over six, six, right? six, man. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm a newcomer. You are. And right, I've got to earn minutes from guys who have played there. And, and they put years. big stuff in the media guide and what they put out, too, about the impact that you were going to make. Yeah. Right? So it was interesting. So now I arrive and I'm there. Now I've had surgery. Preseason is starting. Mm. And everyone's moving on. Full steam, baby. We got to play games. Yeah. It's as if I'm not even in the lineup. I Meaning, know. like, folks, like, and they've got to, right? That's just how it goes. Next man up. Yeah. And so it's another really interesting thing to focus on too is 
I had a lot of grace with Coach Eastman. Kevin Eastman was his name. Mm-hmm. Maybe I minimized that or I didn't see its relevancy. True. In that okay. Moment. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so instead of leaning on that and taking my time, I rushed back. Yeah. You like did. I just clearly, I was lying about my health. Well, and you talked about the, the mindset opportunity. Look, can we talk a little bit about this? You know, I think also you felt you're supposed to come in and you're supposed to make an impact. You think about, you know, eight guys over six, six. Was there a little bit of thought of maybe there was disappointment by coach in you? I, yes. It was absolutely unsaid. And it was maybe I, I created it in my mind. Mm. I should have been a little bit more thoughtful in that, but that just wasn't the way I operated. Yeah. No, I get you. Right. Yep. He, yep. like, he should be excited about me coming back and ready to impact the team. And that's not what I was hearing. Yeah. Yes, and and, and yep. silence equals violence in my mind. Ooh, we, and we've mentioned this, right? right. Silence right. is complicit, right? Right. And I was used to misunderstanding people's mm. intentions. Okay. Like my parents, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I told you, like communication, they, right? Yes. You talked about it. You're not talking. So you raised the money. Right. Exactly. Like I, I raised the funds to fly to Europe. So my mother was like, well, why, why didn't you just ask us? Mm. I, I could have simply had a conversation with him, but I just assumed the most negative thing. Yeah. And then you remember, I was driven a lot by fear and shame and anger. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. Right. That's why they yes. always had to be an antagonist and nemesis. And mm. there was someone that was opposed, something or someone True. was opposing yes. me. And that was a zero-sum game. And we'll talk about that yeah. later and like how yeah. that manifests in other parts of my life. So, yeah, I came back way too soon. Yeah. I'm just lying. I'm like, no, I'm good. And I'm out there hobbling and like trying to mask it. And now I'm playing. And it's not that I just didn't play my game. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's crazy because now that carried on through to the next. Because I actually played pretty well yeah. despite that. But. Don't you think, too, there was this dynamic, Cole, where you were, instead of maybe thinking about your game, you were focused on getting minutes? Oh, absolutely. 100% that was my focus. Yeah. Like, this yeah. was, look, I knew I was the most athletic player on the team. Easily. Like, and we all knew it, right. by the way. I, and one of the more athletic players in the conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- and yeah. I knew that there was certain attributes that I had that no one else could replicate. Yep. So, what I did, I tried to exacerbate that when I played. Yes, and, yes. And I had a, a good junior year you despite did. my injuries. You did. And like those same knee injuries still dragged all through you, my, throughout yes. my senior year. Yeah. And so now, but I've still got the same mindset of before my junior year that I've got to differentiate myself in those mm. areas and play like I was playing wild out there. Yeah. Like I was all over the place. I was trying to impact stuff. And that was the thing, right? What can I do to make an impact and a visible one? Yeah. And that wasn't what I did. And it's interesting. Like, you know, you're you're going to be humble about this. But even in your point of not playing your game, I, I think what we also learned is you your mid-range shot was, in my opinion, one of your strengths. Yeah. But let's make sure that this is clear. You still were number four in the Pac-10 in field goal attempts. If, even if we looked at taking out, it's interesting, you mm-hmm. shot better from the field goal, maybe, you know, 10 to 15 feet away from the basket, then when you, to your point, effort-wise, would be going to the cup against these 
oversized, you might be undersized in the position that you're playing. Like, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's clear as day because it's crazy when I look at these stats to think that you still, you know, 13 points in the pack 10, you actually average over 15. Yeah. You know what I mean? In pack 10s, like, and it's interesting. This also shows me this echelon of you also had a high esteem for yourself. Yes. And an expectation. I know. Not absolutely. as bad. Not that that's bad, but I'm just saying when right, when everyone's hearing you yeah. talk about like, man, I didn't play my game. Like, I wish I would have stumbled upon right. 15 points a game in the pack. Yeah. Another thing I think it's important to point out, right? I had an expectation to play. Absolutely. Right? Now I've had exposure to what this is. Gotcha. Now I yep. know, right? Yes. I've seen it firsthand. Yep. And it's attainable. Like, I am a good player. Yeah. And I can do this. And I'm going to talk about mentorship and guidance. Because mm, you provided it for other. It's interesting. We'll get into that. Yeah. That's something you provide, I think, now. And you provide it for other people and not necessarily at certain points in your career was it there. And maybe when people came along, like, I think you were ready to listen. But that's, yeah, that's going to be a key point we'll talk about for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this was something I felt strongly about being able to provide that for my brothers yeah, because I didn't have it mm. and it impacted me negatively. Yeah. And, and it's difficult, right? Cause there are things where you have to be careful, right? Who gives you direction, who you listen to. Yeah. Coach Eastman, actually he and I spoke not too long ago and he sent me a copy of his book and his book is oh, great. It is amazing. Like I, there's too many nuggets, Cole. I mean, it's, oh, just, it's called, why the best are the best. Yes. Man, like. The most powerful 25 words that they use. The habit of trying. trying. Yes. It's I mean, just, that, I mean, I could just, I could keep going on, but yes. Yeah. Right. And so in there, it talks about the truth. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> it talks about the truth. And Not kind of the truth. No. You're like the truth. Yes. Mm. And the book speaks about types of players. And this transitions into all lines of work, every industry, not just athletics, right? He talks about the types of players there are. Yes. Three types. There are first the, what I would probably call mediocre, yeah. the bad players yeah. who try to hide. <laughs> right. 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 They don't want to be seen. They don't want to be right. heard. Right. Let's say there are good players mm -hmm. who want to be coached. Yeah. And then there's the third type of player, the great players. They want the truth. Mm, so good, man. It is so good. Right. And and that was something where I hadn't gotten that, right? And I needed that. Yeah. At certain points I'd received, but I hadn't gotten it to a place where now someone can look at me objectively outside of Absolutely. my coaching staff, outside of my friends. Someone needs to say, hey, look, this is what's going on. Yeah. And thankfully for me, it happened at the beginning of my pro career. The guy who I ultimately ended up signing with as an agent, mm -hmm. John Gregg. John Gregg, yeah. And he provided some mentorship and understand, because he was a pro player himself. He played in the league and a really good player and just a thoughtful person and how he went about that. And he, he and I, once my career finished at Washington State, I'm becoming a pro and going, planning on going overseas. He asked me, he's like, hey, man, what are you thinking about when you're out there? What are you doing? Mm, that's the <laughs> it's interesting what like what were, and what were, what did you say I'm, like what? i'm just out here playing hard man mm. i'm just trying to win right right and he was like well that's all good and proper but like you have to have tactical approach to this 
Yeah. You got to think the game too. You're, you're too thoughtful of a player just to be out there playing hard. Like you got to compartmentalize the game. Yeah. You yeah. approach. There's things you have to do. And it's so crazy. My game changed overnight. Mm. And I played more like I normally would have played. Yes. I was more settled. I still played hard. Yes, absolutely. That's the state. But like my impact on the game was so much more relevant than it was when I was out there just running around crazy, trying to deflect balls, block shots, dunk the ball, hit tough shots. Like right. this is, and it was awesome because now I'd gotten someone who's unbiased outside of. Yeah. Coach, because this isn't something I don't think coaches can do for you. No, I actually, I agree with you because there's different things we're hearing or we're looking for. Yes. And we might, even if they told us, we might not hear it that yes, way. Yes, exactly. Because that's a coach. Yep. Right. And so what I tried to do for my brothers is that. Mm. Because I had experience in that realm. And I can tell you, look, man, this is what you need to be watching out for. And make sure that falls in line with what coaches are trying to do. Yeah, that's so good. Right. Because mm. it's hard. Even when I watch my son, I've I've coached him a number of times playing. Yeah. But I've also watched him being coached. Yeah. And the things that I'm cheering for him to do are literally the same things I was telling Pops to to do. do. Run the floor. (laughs) Right, right, right. Rebound the ball. Yep. Yeah. Like the simple things that you can help encourage while you're on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And they don't go against the philosophy of the team. Of the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's effort. Right? Like, I'm not one of, I've watched parents. I've coached teams and I've watched parents ruin kids. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's so, I'm so glad I got to watch Pops go through it. Mm. Because I graduate college. Yeah. Now I go and start playing professionally overseas in Europe. Yes, sir. And Pops and my sister come to the U.S. So now all of my siblings, except for my youngest brother, are in the the US. US. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And Pops has gone to, in all fairness, he got to the scholarship to a private school, high school, his sophomore year, under the strength of what I've done. Absolutely. Right? And my other brother, Riafi, also got that. For track. Yes. Yeah. Well, he got got a basketball scholarship, and he wasn't even a basketball player. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, so, okay. he got a vassal so I have a got a... a high school. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wow. right, that was an interesting conversation too. Wow, right? The coach, like Pops, actually wasn't. He was a high jumper. He played. Oh, that's right. right. He focused on high jump. So I tried to get over here, and it's different because now they've gotten here off of my strength, which is different yeah. than what I did. Very different. And I tried to help them understand, like it, this isn't what you think it is. But Cole, let me, let me jump in. And I'm not saying I would be this way, but I'm I'm thinking of my journey and I, I want to think of some family dynamics. Why are you able to, and what is it? It was it how you were raised, but how are you able to pay that forward without any resentment slash, you know, thinking they have to go through some of the pain and the struggle? Like you, you to me, because I've, I've seen it on the outside you literally take a back seat, but you're you're still coaching and supporting and you're doing it in such a selfless way. And you're actually getting them exposure to things you actually didn't get yourself and you actually find enjoyment in it. And I'm just saying it's not whether you know this or not, this is probably 100 percent of your world. It's not always like that, even for families between brothers and between sisters. Yeah. So it's, that's an interesting concept and, and thought process. 
And I just did not view it that way. So mm. I've seen, I view it so differently. And, and we'll talk about my wife, right? Yeah. And, and how that impacts her. When I think about the success of people in my circle. Yes. My siblings, my parents, my wife. Yes. My f- close friends. Yeah. That's a, a reflection upon me. Mm. That's so good, man. Like, that's how I see it that that's, way. That's how I've always seen Like, if my brother is winning, I'm winning. If my wife is having success, I'm winning. And you know what's interesting? Someone said something to me once that reinforced my perspective. Like, crazy about that. They're like, man, are they with you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, you must be serious business. Ooh. Because they're looking at them relating to you. Like, you must be on. Yes. Mm. Like, my wife. Someone was like, that's your lady? Oh, yeah, that's my wife. He's like, man, what do you do? Who mm. are you? Just wow. through, Just through connection. Just through connection, huh? Mm. And I've always, so I take pride in that. Yeah. You're good at that, man. Because then if you don't do that, that's how jealousy and envy come into the place. And for some reason, well, can I tell you something? And maybe we unpack this a little bit. For some reason, I don't know if that was through, you know, mom, Reverend Agnes, whether it was dad, Reverend Henry, Mensa Bonsu, somehow, some way that was like not allowed in your guys' environment. And I'm wondering about that because that poison is actually rampant in families. Oh, gosh. And it's not like I have a big family. Outside of my immediate family, right? My parents have siblings, Mm -hmm. right? We have cousins. And and that's, I've seen that manifest in that way. And I, I'm fortunate our siblings, we are feel empowered by each other. Mm. It's so good, man. It's good. I'm just telling you, just being around you all when I get that Mm. opportunity is this, it's just the healthiest form, in my opinion, of camaraderie and healthiest form of, of lifting up where others need it. Yeah, I totally agree. And we talk. Right. And we message all the time, but this pandemic was, and what's been good about this, and I'll speak about this as far as my marriage, as well as our family relationship. Yeah. Every Thursday we were doing like an hour, two hour FaceTime call yeah, with I my siblings, with my siblings and my parents, all of us. Wow. And that's straight comedy, like literally just laughing Memory, like, well, I thought you was talking to me one time. You <laughs> laughing. I'm like, you got the earpiece in and he's with the like, family. Yeah. So, yeah, I know what you mean. We yeah. were doing that every, and like, we've never done that. FaceTime mm. with all of, all of our family. And then my wife and I, like, we both work, right? And work hard and have yeah. yes. pretty significant roles, right? The yeah. manager. And now she's working from home. And like, we get to spend way more time, time together without yeah. the kids around. Yeah. Sometimes, right? And it's different. It's like, wow. Like we've got and we don't get to see each other much, but we get to talk during our breaks and it has been really good for our marriage. Oh, and it I mean, you know, I'm in the same dynamic with Kim and the kids being here, like right. working from the office. It's it's a little different when you get the treat of someone bringing in lunch, right? Right. And, yes. Or yeah, or right, right. you know, or the challenge of we we engage, right? You hear the kids and there's other stuff, but I yeah. I know what you mean. Like it could be a gift and a curse in yes. some scenarios, but for sure, for but sure. I, you know, I definitely have seen the benefit of that and the closeness and and the growth with even my kids seeing me around. You know, and my wife seeing me around. Yeah, no, and, and it's true. Like ultimately, that was something that I don't think I've even consciously made an effort to do. That it's just mm. how I feel. It's interesting, man. I feel like that's that's my brother. Yeah, that's my wife. That's my sister. These are my parents. Like I'm celebrating them. 
Like that's a reflection. People are going to think more highly of me because they're connected to me. And I, I want to make a quick little insertion here because there's listeners, man, that have brothers and sisters they're not even talking to right now. Oof. And And what I say to that is, you know, I'm not going to be some family, you know, therapist or anything like that, but it's not helping you. It's not helping me mm. in those situations. And for me to witness kind of this family dynamic, your immediate family dynamic, I, I will tell you, it's, it's, it's made me even connect more with my brothers. Mm. You know, we had face, we've had our FaceTime call. We never did that ever. Wow. I know, you know, you guys even try to get together, whether it's all-star weekend, there's different things you guys yeah. do oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. as a, as a family, like, I will tell you, I've aspired to do more. So I just, I want to challenge the listeners really quick, just in this moment, don't let that continue to be. Wow. Don't let that continue to be. So, but I, I did have to dive into that a little bit because yeah, I, yeah, no, that right. is who you all are. And yeah. there's something unique about that. And I wanted to make sure from a Mensa Bonsu, like family dynamic, like I do want you unpacking that because I would just tell you, there's a lot more people that don't have that right. type of characteristic. So, so you mentioned pops. I would love to hear from you. You talk about pay it forward. There's this distinct time with him. So, you know, we've mentioned it earlier. He got the got the opportunity to play in the NBA for several years. He's now an executive in the front office for a D-League team affiliate of the NBA. Hmm. You've seen it before anyone else seen it. And, you know, I know for him that was, and I've talked to him recently, even leading into this interview, mm -hmm. it was life-changing. That moment that you had. And you saying and knowing that he actually had the ability to play in the NBA before yeah. he, it even surfaced or there was even buzz. Yeah, for, him. for sure. For sure. So it's, it's crazy. And so he well, he came as over as a sophomore and the school he went to, the coach wasn't a big fan of him. Interesting, man. And it was it was crazy. And, and it's not for a personality. Like, I know Pops. Like, it's interesting no, about that, right? Yeah. We talked about because sometimes, like, you got an interesting personality. It's not – it's – Literally, the coach just felt some type of way. Well, and it's and some coaches have this thing where if you're on a classman, you're just not going to play. Mm, right, right. And so he gets to suit up with the varsity team, but he's playing JV. What year? He's a sophomore in high school, mm. and he's playing JV. And there was a guy who went to Purdue on the, but he was as good as that kid. Like he was <laughs> as a he was, sophomore. He could have been a second at the very least. He was the second best player of the team, mm. and just wrecking shop he said like he's, he, was he was a jv all-star he's in the jv <laughs> hall, of, hall fame. of fame in new jersey but he was out there just <laughs> dunking or blocking oh, like man. great and i'm like why is this guy not playing it like mm. not even suing him up for varsity and so anyway long story short i'm like coach he's got to go i'm getting him to another situation yep. and and that's not recommended a lot of the time but Dude, we don't have time for this. I'm nah, sorry. Nah. I'm, I, I'm about not coming to junior year. Yeah. Right? Nah. And so transfer him to another school and he has a stellar standout career. He had to sit out, right? The first. He had to sit nearly half the junior year out because mm. he transferred because the coach who we left wouldn't give him a transfer. Through a little shade on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. And that's all good. It is. You're right. It's all You're good. You're right. That's part of the story. And, and can I be honest? Yeah. Like, I've given a lot of thought to this and I've spoken to him about it. There was a coach who recruited me yeah. when I was in high school who I saw at a camp that Pops was playing at. Yeah. And Pops was getting, like, he's getting mid-majors okay. recruiting him, okay. but no big-time school. Right. And he's big-time talent. To your point, like, come yeah, on. Like, I know it in my heart. <laughs> and the guy was, I'm like, Coach, hey, what's going on? How you doing? He's like, hey, isn't your brother here? I'm like, yeah. 
I'm like, have you seen him play? He's like, oh, I haven't yet, but so check him out. And we'll catch up later. So he checks him out. And after I'm speaking to the coach and I'm like, so what do you think? I'm, and he's a, he's in an ACC school now. Okay. Okay. And Pops is an ACC talent. Easy. Right. Totally. And I'm, and I'm waiting for him to be like, oh, dude, can, yeah, can, can we, we talk? Like, can, can we get him up here? And right it would have been a perfect situation, that situation. Ooh. Right. And the coach was like, ah, I'm like, ah. <laughs> like, did you see? Was you watching the same? Games? He's like, I don't know if he can play this level. I'm like, coach, really? <sighs> wow. Wow. I'm like, and this is not my personality, but I've got to, like, I, he you and gotta, I have a certain you got to this one, like, yeah. I'm like, Coach, what is it that he's the most athletic 6'9 kid I've seen? Yeah. Like, have you seen a more athletic kid? He's like, no. Okay. I'm like, okay. I'm like Check. have you seen anybody play as hard as him this summer? No. No. Check. Right. I'm sorry. What? But you don't think he, he's like, yeah. And he was like, and I listened to him and I was like, stop. Don't ask him any more questions. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. Because then I went into that mode where I'm going to let him infiltrate Infiltrate your mind. Yes. And then I'm going to, that's going to now transpire to pops. Mm. I'm like, no, I'm like, I I appreciate your perspective and your honesty. We're good. We're good. And then it was crazy. It was just that summer. Yeah. While I was watching him play. And I said, yo, he's going, yo, this guy could play in the NBA. Wow. Wow. He barely has mid-majors recruiting him. Yeah, you've seen it. Like, and I'm like, how are they not seeing it? And it's tough because he's my brother. It's almost like he's are my you biased, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. am I looking at this with rose-colored glasses? Yeah. yeah. How does no one else see it? And he sat out half his junior year and missed out on some big tournaments and big games. And so I actually think that helped in the narrative of getting him to where he ultimately ended the up. The school he ended up that was perfect yes. for him because he played all four years. He played all four years, and I remember when I found out he ended up going to GW, George Washington University, and the assistant coach who was after him. Yeah. He was the first person who came to me and spoke. He's like, look. <laughs> I think we got it. He's like, yo, this <laughs> kid's going to play in the NBA. He was like, you speak in my language yeah, now. He's like, like, he's like, it's going to take a little bit. He's just going to have to listen. But on his junior senior year, there's no reason why he shouldn't be mm. talked about now. And he was saying the other things, but like, that was the first That's person a, who got it. Yeah. You're like, okay. It was interesting because Coach Hobbs, who's the head coach, wasn't that much of a fan of his. <laughs> really? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, it is crazy. But the assistant, Coach um, Kevin, was all into him. And I was sold after that. And then GW was perfect situation. Oh, man. Perfect situation. It was right in DC. I had a massive network there. Yeah. He would, and it was a great academic school. He had an opportunity. Like, it was good. And it was interesting because if he had played his whole junior year, he would have absolutely went to a Big East or ACC school. Yeah. I'm absolutely certain. Yeah. But like, it was just time, and I, I actually think that was, that was ordained. I mean, it played out, right? It did. I mean, he's in the GW Hall of Fame, right? It was. Like, it was. And, and that's another thing we spoke about this, right? Like when he's getting inducted, I'm getting inducted. Yeah, that's so good, man. Y- like, you're right. That's, it's yep. Mensa Bonsu. Like yep. my entire family, we are being inducted. Like we were a part of that. And I got to listen to part of it and see, you know, some of the clips that were out. He communicated that way too. Yes. And as he talked about people that had been with him on that journey, you all had made it there. For Which sure. that, that's what's cool because it's recipro to me, it's though it's a 
it's reciprocated. Absolutely. You get what I mean? And, and I feel that way about all of that. So, wow. You know, we spoke about my junior year and I'm in college now, right? My mom is obviously a big faith believer. Yeah. And she's now a reverend, right? They've now mm-hmm. been ordained. And they always were faithful people, but just listening to my, my mom was praying for a wife for me in college. And then she, let me explain about she my mom. prays unique, but she yes, no, okay. no, she, she right, give it, give us the real. Though. So let me give you some perspective about my mom when she prays. She prays based on biblical principle. <clears throat> she believes the stuff in the Bible as I do. And that's how she's raised us. And so. When she's praying, she's talking about us lending to nations and not borrowing, mm. not lending to people, to a nation. <laughs> to a nation? Right? Man. She, she, you know, when she speaks, she talks about the forces being greater for us than that are against, against us. You. Wow. I will become all that I have been created to be. And then she was always praying for a wife for me. But and she didn't just pray like no. in, the, in the general vicinity or like, hey, let's can we find somebody in D.C. Can you? Can you enlighten no, us? No. <laughs> she she would she would ask God to search the universe for a wife for me. So we Mars Jupiter. If, if we're talking about intergalactic love, <laughs> yeah. You Captain Kirk? <laughs> <laughs> you know he stayed hooking up with green ladies, <laughs> right? He had no shame in his game. Oh my goodness! So yeah, my mom was. Asking God to search the universe was like, wow. man, wow, that's a big ask. Man. Right? So that's who my mom is. Mm. Right? That's the type of prayers and yeah. beliefs she has. Because words matter though, Cole. Oof. You get what I mean? Like when you think of universe, whether you didn't feel it at that time, what she is saying, like search, like almost like going through every single database, right? That will then measure up to who you need what they need. I don't know, man. For me, I get chills a little bit to say Oof. she is praying for basically for you to find a maiden to go, to scurry the universe. Yes. So, someone who would be perfectly matched for me. So I, I graduate college, right? I go and play a number of years over in Europe. Injury still becomes an issue. Yeah, right? yes, it's, it's yeah. A, in certain times, I play really well in others, right? And then I connect with Noel. Yeah. And we become really good friends. We went to undergrad together. Yeah. And she's decided that she wants to go to med school. Yeah. And so we're really good friends throughout all of that. You know, her first year of med school. And then she took a year off. Okay. And we okay. communicated. And then in my summers in between, I decided I'm going to move to Seattle. Yeah, I, rem- I remember. Yeah, I moved to Seattle. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to. Let her know how I feel about her, and I'm going to try and begin this relationship. Mm. And she's all in. And we begin to date, and she's in med school. Yeah. I'm going heading over in Europe, and I'm like, I propose, right? Yeah. And we plan on getting married. But when I plan on getting married for like a, two years, you know, the normal. And then one day I'm like, you know what? Let's just, why do we have to wait this long? Let's just get married. Yeah. Yeah. And we get married three months later. We travel Europe, go all over Europe, get married in Kiss Me Florida Disney World, and then we eloped. Yeah, we went traveling. Eloped, yep. Yep. Went to visit my family in England and went all over Europe. And it's interesting. Like I remember one summer I was back, and each summer in between each year of med mm-hmm. school, they have to take a, a board, step one, step two, step yeah. three. 
it's a board exam and it's a pretty significant it used to be like a two-day exam it's rough and she would tell me like yeah i gotta study for this so i'm gonna take six weeks off and prepare for it and you know so you're like what does that mean six Six weeks weeks off to prepare yeah i'm like all right whatever so she's preparing for step one and she wakes up at 5 a.m sits at her table and starts to study and she studies for 11 hours every single day, six days a week. Literally sit down. She'll take a party break and she'll eat lunch. Yeah. But she would sit down and go through that book for six straight weeks. Man. It, like it got to, I'm like, ah. I would come home from working out and I've been gone for hours and she's just there sitting at the desk, mm. combing through that. Mm. And sometimes she would have me quiz her on certain things, right? Because it's, and just, oh, Jesus. Like, I felt a type of way. I would come home, and I wouldn't even sit down because I just felt like. You had I to felt, be doing something. Yeah, like, I had like, to do. I couldn't even sit down and watch TV. <laughs> I was just standing up. <laughs> and it's interesting because the more I got to know her, the will mm. of that woman. Mm. Oh. And she'll tell you she thinks she's of average intelligence, but her will. Mm. Her focus next level to just think. excellence and listen she went all throughout college she decided when she was in the sixth or seventh grade mm. once she understood that grades mattered for college and that she wanted to become a physician she never got anything less than an a than an a that's what i'm yeah remember this story wow all a's throughout all of middle high school college and that she's just focused mm. And she's one of those people, she's one of those, she reminds me of my mother in this way. She won't be braggadocious in no, anything. Not at all. She's a very gracious and not at kind all. But you tell her something that she can't do, she'll just look at you and nod. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm just okay. Won't share nothing, but it'll be done. It will be done. <laughs> and so, like, the more I got visibility, I'm like, man. That's crazy. This is my wife now. Man. So, yeah, it was awesome. We get married, and she was so focused on her career. Yeah. She wasn't able to spend any time with me in Europe. Okay. There was one year, one season, she only came for like 36 hours. That's crazy. Yeah. So, it was not easy, that man. was hard. Yeah. But then I, I was able to convince her last year of med school to extend an additional six months. Yeah. And she came and spent the whole season with me in Portugal. Oh, wow. Yeah. It That's was, a beautiful place. It too. was. It was a tropical island in Portugal called Madeira. We mm. had an awesome time. Awesome. So glad we got to do that. And she got to spend some time with me there. So, yeah. Once my career ended, right, I was actually in a pretty bad car crash. Yeah. And it compounded some of the knee injuries that I already had. And. I had to have a procedure called the microfracture procedure. Yeah, that's tough. Man. And that's and then back then in the early thousands, career ending, right? It, it wasn't. It, it had an eighteen month okay turnaround, which putting you out for eighteen months was brutal. Yeah, right. And so, but I was like, oh, let me, you know, I got to do this and let me have this surgery, and I'll come back in no time. And before you know, I'll be back playing. Well, that's when I was like, I got to do something in the interim, though. Yeah. And every summer I had worked for some time just yeah. to get some experience. Yeah. I worked for a couple of law firms and I thought I wanted to go to law school. No dice. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, there was just no one happy in that building. Yeah, man. 
and no knock on attorneys, right? Yeah. It just it just wasn't for me. And maybe yeah. I had exposure to the wrong group of attorneys. Yeah, good point. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that was your perspective. Um, and so I was like, I don't know. And then so one day a recruiter reached out to me randomly to see if I was interested in IT. Interesting. Yeah. And I went to this job fair and <laughs> this company was there, massive company, and they were recruiting for IT sales software and hardware and so i was like this sounds cool and i started doing that and it was an inside gig so i was sitting at a desk inside a cubicle every day and yeah that's how i transitioned well and and in that transition just to give you know we're not you know having to come out with names but i mean this company you're talking about is what 18 billion dollars in revenue Mm -hmm. and it's actually publicly traded on the nasdaq and i think in those first six years co like a getting into tech, I think, is genius with what is transpiring now. I think right, right. every organization's having to invest in that, mm-hmm. especially when you think of hardware. You're thinking of even services of hard and software. I guess you can also talk about. I, I don't know if you, you know, like those six years, were you fully like happy or getting you no. know, all you needed into that professional world as you're transitioning from basketball? So it was interesting. I knew it was just going to be short-lived because I, 18 months out, I was going to be heading back over. Going back to play. Yeah, yep. right? And I was going to be fine. And so I was just doing it to do it. Mm. And the exposure you have for people who lead the organization yeah. can challenge you sometimes. Absolutely. Like people say they don't quit jobs, they quit the quit manager. You. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so my situation wasn't ideal. And to be honest, the role wasn't ideal either. Got it. Okay. I was the inside. Okay. Like I was sitting at a desk for... 10 hours a day. Account manager, right? Right. And that was like, that's not me. This like, is the I dude need to be like in front effort, of people. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, man. You thrive, you thrive off of interaction. Yeah. And so I was sitting on the phones every day, grinding and grinding, trying to make it happen because that's just my style. Yeah. Make it work. And it was interesting. This is when I realized when the cream doesn't always necessarily rise to the top. <clears throat> there are other things in place here. Skill and talent actually aren't enough. Mm. In some situations. In a lot of situations. Probably most. I guess we can like throw it out. Timing, there. opportunity, yeah, who you're aligned with. There are so on. many other things. Whether Even your mindset. Your mindset is massive. Yeah. It's huge. And so I had an okay time. I It just didn't work out. It wasn't working out how I wanted it to. And then, you know, we went through this whole situation where we find out that we're pregnant. Mm. Wow. It's like it's a what? big change, man. It is. It is. And now, and to be honest, I'm in the midst of I'm starting to get it's nearly time to go back and play. Wow. And so I'm like, wow. All right. So and then we find out it's twins. Mm, man. We're gonna have twin boys. Boys, yeah. And I there's a photo we took and I look at it all the time of when we, the day we found out. And it was like literally just ear to ear mm. spying the whole time. Cause it was like, what, <laughs> twins? Hey, two well killers? Man, Come on, just brother. like. Boys? What? Come on now. Um, There's a pedigree right there, <laughs> right? Like you got, I mean, you, you just got double. <laughs> yes. And, and although, and I'm getting ready to go back to hoop, yeah, right? Yeah. And Noelle is thriving. And if she's, she did her residency at University of Chicago. Yeah. And now she's been chosen to be the chief resident. Wow. So there's notoriety there, right? And she's chief resident now. I'm getting ready to go back to like, all oh, is good. It's, it was the Halloween weekend, mm. 2007. 
And Noelle's not feeling too, it was bizarre. She just wasn't feeling herself. Yeah. And so we normally go to the annual Halloween party yeah. with, a, with the hospital. And she didn't want to go. She's like, all right. She still wanted me to go. So I go and I come back and she seems to be fine, but she's not herself. Yeah. A couple of days later, she's like, yeah, something's wrong. Let's go. And so we go in. She's in pain now. Yeah. And we go in and they're like, oh, no, you know, you're not dilated enough, right? And you, everything is fine. So they send her back home. They send her back home. We're at 22 weeks and five days. So it's still really early. Super early. But she's she's in a lot of pain. Like, she's a tough woman. Yeah. And she's in Lana and she's like, nah, we got to go. I go. And they dismiss it. They're like, no, it's nothing. It's fine. I'm like, you lay on that night. It's bad. Yeah. And so we go into the hospital and they check her and they're like, she's at eight centimeters. Oh my gosh. This is still less than 23 weeks. It's like 22 weeks and five days. Exactly. <sighs> 22 weeks and five days. And, you know, I'm like, whoa. So what, what does that mean? Yeah. And I'm like, she's going to have the babies. I'm like, what? Gosh. Wow. They get her room and we're in the room. Our son, our first son, Miles, is born, like, within uh, 30 minutes. 30 minutes. He's born. Wow. And he comes out, you know, he's one pound, one ounce. Oh, my goodness. Like, what is that for my He's tiny. Like, he could fit in his hand. But he was all arms and legs. Okay. Okay. So, his his eyes were fused shut. Wow. Like, 22 weeks and five days is not. So, this is in the adult side, right? Yeah. And now, we got to be in pediatrics. She's chief resident of primary care, which is all the peds folks, right? And so... Now all of our friends are there. <sighs> Listen, literally all of mm. like everyone in the room was either part of the residency program yeah. or a friend of hers. <sighs> and they're in there and it's like devastation. People are crying, like, and but Miles is moving around, his arms everywhere. And they asked me, so do you want us to intubate? I'm like, what? Mm. And, and Noelle, like they give us some moment and Noelle's like, look, this is, she explains to me like, look, you I'm with you. You just you tell us what decision you want to make. Wow. I'm like, how crazy? Like, this is my yeah. son. Intubate. The thing is, and it's tough because I don't know. Yeah. I'm a not like yeah. I'm a lay person. Y- 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 yeah. It's yep. not compatible with mm-hmm. life. 22 weeks and five days, the child is not going to survive. <sighs> Survival rate is nil. Like it's really, really low. Mm. And quality of life, if it does survive, is, is yeah. devastating. Yep. I'm like, intubate him now. Absolutely. Right. And it's easy no-brainer for me, but that's part of my novice, yeah, naive, yeah. I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. And so they intubate him and take him away, and we're literally on the way back to the other room, and Noah's born. Mm. And... Good to, he just looks like Miles. I've seen just okay. eyes are fused shut, arms yeah. and legs, tiny body. He's, a, he's one pound exactly. Now I'm panicking because I'm like, wait, this is preeclampsia, right? That's the thing. And yeah. that can actually kill the mother. Kill, kill Noel, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, they've intubated my sons, but no one's saying anything about no, Noel. Noel. Like, yeah. My mom prayed for God to search the universe, the universe for this mm. woman. Well, I'm not, I can't lose her. Mm. And so, fortunately, it didn't impact her wow. in that way, right? 
But now we've got two sons mm. in IC NICU in a neonatal intensive care unit. Wow. And it was just, oof. Mm. So it was crazy week after that. Yeah. Um, just ups and downs. Noah's both lungs collapsed. Oof. And so he had tubes all in his stomach going through his chest. Oh. Like, wow. And obviously they're both intubated and yeah. feeding tubes and yeah. all that stuff. He had some crazy days too. And mm. we thought we were going to lose him. Noah probably happened three times where they're like, well, he's not going to make it through the night. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, we're just going to pray it out and believe God's promises Amen. on yeah. this one, right? Like, yeah. this is where our faith, right? And again, this isn't, I'm not talking about Christian optimism. No, no. I, I'm no. talking about biblical principles that are based upon promises. Mm. Yeah, deeper than hope, actually. Oh, wait. Right. And so I don't ever really argue faith with people. Like, I'm a logical person. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Right? I, I, I work in IT, numbers, statistics, reality. There's something called five nines. Mm. Have we ever spoken about what no. five nines uh -uh. is? No. F so redundancy in IT is a good thing. Yeah. You have protection, okay. you okay. have coverage, right? And high availability. These are all important things. So five nines is 99.999. Oh, I got you. Five nines. I got you. Okay. And so okay. this means something to me. You know, when I think about my faith, it's based upon something that I can't see. Yeah. Okay. I when you look up the true definition of faith, yeah. it talks about that. And so I feel strongly about that, right? Because this is his promises, yes and amen. Absolutely. To everything. And so I know everything's going to be fine. And to your point, faith, right? Complete trust or confidence in someone or something, right? I mean, that's. And then, the and then the, the, there's also pull up the biblical. Well, I it think says it's, strong belief in God or in the doctrine of religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof is what they. Yes. Right. That spiritual apprehension rather than truth is kind of the context of it being, you know, biblical faith-based. The Hebrews 11, one. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Mm. And like, I believe in a, a God who walked on water, right. died for three days and rose again. That's not logical. I get that. Right. Right. Yes, sir. Right. But that's what I believe in yeah. based upon what I've seen and yeah. experienced and right. what I read in the Bible. Right. And so, we're believing in that. Unfortunately, on day six, Noah's, one of his lungs burst again, mm. and they try to salvage it, but it just, mm. he didn't survive. Oh, and so we, I, mean, I think about that day all the time. We, we get a urge. I, we just left the hospital. We were in the hospital all the time, nonstop. Oh, you had just left and had We had left in. probably mm. at maybe at midnight, mm. and we got a call at like one thirty that mm. come because he's not doing well. And we had this probably three or four times. And it's interesting. We got there and we'd be praying and like, yeah, it's interesting. The doctor, the lead doc, I, I could tell he didn't have faith in that. Right. Oh, he, right. And, and, and it's tough for physicians. I get it. Right. They, yeah, yeah. They've seen the so science. much. So they, yeah, science is it. And yeah. it's interesting, the impact of us being there and them On seeing them. our faith. Yeah. Yes. On yes. career, like he's a sixty-year-old man, like he's seen it all. Mm. 
He's like, I don't know what you're doing, but just keep on doing it because he's doing like this. Mm. Every time we would come and like be by his bedside and pray, and so it did something for other people too. And that yeah. I, that wasn't my our goal. Yeah, yeah. We were just trying to save our sons. Yeah. So Noah, we get there and he's passed away. All his all the tubes are attached, and I'm just like, oh, Lord. Nah. Mm. so we spent some time with him. Mm. He was still warm, like he got to land on Noel's chest and then mine after and took him to go and see Miles. Miles was still intubated and mm. right next to him. And it's but that just like the whole process of it. So like we walked him down, like all the way to the morgue. Like stayed the whole the whole time. Yeah, huh? the whole day yeah. there. And I remember leaving after spending the morning with Miles and where we parked the car, the guy next to me like was getting a ticket. I'm like, like the world is just going on, moving on regardless, huh? Like this, Oof. this cop is giving this guy a ticket, a parking ticket. I've just mm. lost my son. Yeah. Like what is? Anyway, so and someone was sure to remind me. Look, we intubated, and it's not compatible with life. And and certain people, you just gotta. The doctor's report doesn't necessarily have to be the final report. Right. Yeah. That's ain't that any report. So many different things mm. you see and hear. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The NCAA might say that you didn't, you know, you qualified. weren't eligible. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the final report. It's not. Yeah. And so Miles is there for six months, five, six months in ICU. Six months. Yeah. Wow. And it's tough because Noel is the chief resident. That's what's crazy to me is the exposure to everyone that she already knows going through it, like intimately with her. Yeah, That's got to yeah. be tough. It was. It was. And it made it difficult. But it also made it something that was reassuring. I mean, mm. They treated us differently. They mm. like There was a different level of I urgency. And not yeah. that they didn't treat everyone's family yeah. like that, yeah. but they knew us. And I remember the day Miles got to come home, man. It was just, whew. like, he came home in a massive mm, oxygen tank. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a real oxygen tank. Like, like for real, the tall four ones. Feet, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, four yeah, feet yeah. tall we and, yeah. and two feet in diameter. Mm. Like, and so he's on oxygen. He's got a feeding tube and he's at home with us, though. Wow. So, which is kind of a scary moment too when you think of scary. The, I couldn't even imagine like the whole care and whether Noel's a doctor or not. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, yeah. I remember the first time I was left alone with him. Ooh, I'm like, I got chill. Like, I literally I, like that. Almost want to stand up right just now. Just his oxygen tank was like it would the tube. He would pull his tube out. Wow. Mm. His, he had nasal canyon, and so yeah. he had pulled that out. He pulled his feeding tube out. That was mm-hmm. the only way he could eat. Wow. His gut wasn't developed. It wasn't and, developed yet, yeah. And so, and you know, that six-month, five-month, six-month period was rough. We nearly lost Miles multiple times. Mm. Yeah, wow. He had an infection throughout his body, and his he swelled up and was like orange. Wow. His whole body, like he was sick. Like, if you get a chance, try and find out how many people are alive who were born before 23 weeks. Yes. It just does not exist. Yes, Those people aren't walking the earth. It's less than 0.1 of a percent. It's hard to even fathom. And if they, for me, if you've seen Miles oh. today, like, I, I just, I, I know there's a God. Yeah. yeah. It, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt, when you talk yeah. about faith, like, spiritual 
apprehension rather than proof. Like I actually feel like I have proof. Oh yeah. Undoubtedly in my mind. Miles is the most beautiful, kind, oh, sweet boy. Gosh, he's thanks. off the charts in height. Athleticism and mobility? He's an A B oh. honor roll student. Like this is someone who they weren't gonna intubate. Wow. Like they because it you. wasn't a viable life. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> so that was a crazy time. And now I this is months now, and I'm now realizing that my career is over, my basketball career is over. Well, yeah, perspective and priorities, right? Like to your point, going through something like that, you're talking about the ticket, right? Where someone was getting a ticket and you just lost your son. Like I, and even still, and if I'm honest, like I still felt that was still a, a great path to make a good living for my family. Gosh, yeah. And so it was like my body hasn't healed, you and just I'm didn't. I'm just going through it every day, trying to be there for my wife and my son. Mm. Did we really get to mourn Noah properly? No. Like, cause they gotta be there from, we gotta be there for miles. That's what I was, yeah. And so before I know it, it's a year later. Mm. Oh, I guess my basketball career is over. Wow. Like you just blink and it's just like you, it's gone. And then I go through a a pseudo depression. Like the emotional intelligence it takes to be able to adapt to that and understand your living, your quality of life now and your life. Yeah. Your life is different. Yeah. And so I went through a pretty significant, I don't know if it was clinical, but I definitely was a different person. Mm. But Miles was doing well. Noel was doing well, but like I was a little out there. Yeah. Cole, you know, we were friends through that journey. It's interesting. And, you know, I probably your brothers and sisters, like, I didn't feel like you were un- emotionally unavailable. I think you were still there in whatever way that mm-hmm, was. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because Jasmine, we had Jasmine yeah. around the same time as Miles. And I could tell you there was anxiety that happened because when we think of the time frame we had Jazz, it let me know too, unfortunately, that there was reality and yes. everything doesn't go right. Because yep. it's just crazy how all this transpires. But I, you know, for me, you you read some scriptures like, when did you like, you talk about a year, you, you're like, okay, my career is over. Like when is it, or even if it is now, when is it ever normal though? Well, meaning like the loss or Not just even life? the loss, just like life, like coming back to life after such a tragic event, like no one wants to bury child. their child. Yeah, That's what I mean. Like, you know, even when we have the moments and you have a picture in your office, like I just still don't think it's ever normal or you that part of you is still always there right because yeah we say his name like i think that's what i i'm grateful for you all is like noah's still alive and noah's still a person loa was here mm-hmm. even though there's not this fulfillment of time but like yeah it just yeah, doesn't we, ever seem normal yeah it doesn't and there's a space right there's yeah. a, a deficit that i don't know can be filled ever right yeah but we talk about him openly in the house absolutely like the kids Everyone knows him. They do. Like we talk about him and what we, he would be doing. His and, birthday, right? Yeah, I mean, like we yeah. we celebrate him all the time. Like it's not a taboo yeah. subject, and we want to feel that way in our household about him. And and well, you know what's interesting is Miles. Miles has this thing where it's so clear to me that he was a twin. Mm. So talk about that. So he. He loves to play and he likes companionship. He does. He loves. Yes, like he, he does. Wants, if he could play from sunup to sundown, he would. 
Yep. He, uh, and if he could play with you, like his demand for me to play with him all the time is just nonstop. Yeah. And it hasn't, and he's 12 years old now and he always just wants to wrestle. Yeah, you're right. You like nonstop, man. Like this is love language, right? Like this, he's physical. Yeah. And that's how he receives love. He always wants to play with someone or, or play with me. Like it's just, it's clear that there was that void. Mm. Cause he, I guess to your point, his footprint, his print in the universe is with someone else. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Right. Because I and see that's it been with our since, kids, yes. right? It's been since day one. Mm. Since he was able to start walking and talking, he's always wanted to play with other kids. Mm. Like, and always, always wants to play with me. Like, he just wants kinship. And so, man, it's just, whew. That's a daily reminder about that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But, you know, we feel really blessed. Again, Miles is excelling in every facet of life. Such a miracle, man. It is. It is. Seriously. So. Well, not, you know, Cole, I just, for the listeners and us, like, just for you to let us in, in this moment, you know, because you referred to that in one of our previous episodes, like how your emotions Mm. and kind of what we're dealing with, with kind of the civil unrest and the racial tension was back to that. So just to take us through that, man, is, you know, it's, it's just humbling. And, you know, we pray together about these things, but man, you're like, I just, you know, I'm so grateful for you and so grateful for you sharing that story. Cause there's others that have struggled with that and might not be pushing yeah. through it and making yeah. it through their moment in this type of struggle. So I just want to appreciate you for that. You know, it turns me to this though, Co. on this, like now you're saying your basketball career is over a year later. So what begins the transition as you look at now this, like you're working, like you're going to be in this world of like yeah. IT and like now you got to make sense of this competitiveness translating into the corporate world, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at first it wasn't working. It didn't, yeah. it didn't work well. I didn't do a good job in taking into consideration all of the factors, right? That the, mm. the cream doesn't always rise to the yeah. top. I was doing everything I was being asked of everything but i wasn't good at getting mentorship in that area Mm, and it was hard like now i'm actually seeking it out so you were seeking it out yeah yeah and this is another episode too we can talk Mm. about being a black professional in that industry yeah in it that's the it Yeah, yeah it's few and far between and i remember going to conferences and i see another black man there's 500 people here. Dog, you see me. Come on, man. Just, what do you think I'm going to do? Like, shuck and jive when I get over there? <laughs> like, they act like you don't see me here? So, wow, my goodness. And I'm like, yo, what? And this is continuous, right? And not that I needed a black mentor, Mm-mm. but I felt strongly about that. Because yeah. it's a different walk. It's a different it cadence. It totally is, man. And unless it's a really well-adapted white person or non-black person, they they will have a difficult time understanding what I'm talking about. Yeah, and especially in a space where it's even more rare. Yes. It right? just... Anyway, it was hard. It was actually one of my coworkers, white guy, TA, who put me onto a couple things. Yeah. And we were talking about the folks we work with. He's like, you realize how much money they make, right? Mm. like no you know that's such a taboo subject it is right in that space yeah in in any space i feel like friends don't even share that with friends yeah you're actually right and maybe i'm uncouth right 
<laughs> right, but right, it's, it's, it's hampered my career so much. Yeah. Because it's almost like you didn't know what to even feel you should be worth in yeah, that space. Like, and, and, you know, since then, there's been the glass door. There's platforms to give you some visibility. But yes. still, I, I feel like listening to someone tell you this how much money. He's like, hey, that guy, guy wears those darker pants and those sketcher shoes every day. How much day? did he make up? He's made seven figures for the last five years. <clears throat> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's it. What? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, you like, you've got some skill sets, but this ain't for you here, man. You got to think. I was like, yo. And this was the first time I'm accepting, like, I'm listening to someone tell me something. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. So I, you know, Noel and I, we spoke about it. I'm like, no, let's, let's leave here, man. Yeah. There was some stuff going on in Chicago at the time and it wasn't ideal. Yeah. And we were like, I mean, let's get out of here. And we, Got up and left. We moved to DC. Yo, boogie. Yeah, went over back to. You went back to DC. It was her. Yeah, we both. So we both. And we, Has she know. been to DC before? She no. She yes. Yeah, no, no. 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 Just a visit. Yeah. yeah just but a not visit. to leave. Yeah. yeah. So we moved back there, and my career took off, man. Yeah, man. You know, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but in a self learn, you talk about it's you know this discussion of even salaries, but like you weren't less than number one in any division that you were in in sales. Like I. You got to let us a little bit into this. There's two sides to this, but this individual contributor dynamic to where we think about you weren't going to let anything keep you from becoming a division one athlete. You became a pro for several years. Now you get into this world, of the corporate setting. And how do you generate success? What characteristics brought forth that? Right. So it's interesting. So the technology is complicated and the solutions, the issues that the clients had or also complicated the business challenges, right? Yeah. Whatever they are. And what I figured out is a lot of people will talk about the speeds and feeds of the hardware or all the things that the software does. Okay. But they don't focus on the need of the client. Mm. Like what's their business challenge? Value proposition. What yes. do they need? Right. Like why am I telling them how fast and smooth this Ferrari is if I'm if they need an SUV or pickup truck. They don't even need it. they got five kids. Yeah, can't, like we can't, why are we shopping the Ferrari? Understand the need and understand the technology and have them understand how this technology solves their issue. I feel like I did a pretty good job of that. And what I also did was I don't like car salesmen. No knock on mm, anyone out there. Like, I, I don't I like that move. I don't yeah, like that yeah, motion. Yeah. Look, this is what it is, okay? You have a need, this will solve it. And I'm going to provide whatever resources to be able to educate on, on that. I'm going to do a proof of concept, whatever you need. If you don't choose it, that's on you. Right. I've done my due diligence. No pressure. Sometimes you got to step up the pressure just because, yeah, yeah. but I'm not, that's not my style. Yeah. But I think success in that too is I've not necessarily had a job in sales, but also there's probably times when you've gotten with someone and you actually let them know this wasn't right for them. Absolutely. There, I think there's something really important in doing yes, that. There's integrity in this too. Yes. Abs and and I feel strong. That's another thing I feel strong about. And when I work, I'm not just working for the company. To, I am representing right. myself. Yourself. Yep. My own brand. Yes. My family name. So yeah. I don't want anyone talking about me saying, oh, he did this. And I know. I want to be above reproach in any of that. Look, this might not be it for you. 
Mm. You know, people really appreciate that and they come back. Yeah. And so when I moved from the hardware and software side and went more into the consulting side, yeah, yeah. like that's a massive value add there. Yeah. And that's the majority of my job right now is more of the professional services and consulting. Okay. And so, and I manage a, a pretty high functioning team of folks to do that. Well, you just mentioned one term, like doing proof of concepts. Yeah, yeah. When you start to drawing, you know, statements of work, yeah, SOWs, yeah, 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 like yeah. we're throwing out these terms and some people may know, may not know, but this is when you're getting into this, this dynamic to where you're truly understanding the engine of what you have. And then to your point, is like the vehicle you want to put it in for them. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like when you start to get into, in my opinion, where this next level comes into like leading at a broader scope of kind of services with the company. Yes. And it sounds like, you know, that's where the space you're getting in now. For sure. That's the space I'm in, right? Yeah. That's where we are. And it's great, man. It's an awesome opportunity. Well, I'm what I want to jump in on, man, because you've been an amazing mentor. We've talked a lot about business. You know, I will throw this out there, though. I think it's a choice of the role that you're in or the level that you are now. And we'll talk a little bit about this. I called it the accept the help. Mm. But if I could only let the people even that work for me now, the people I work with, gave them a glimpse of some of the things we've talked about that has actually helped my business. I am truly a firm believer that you're only scratching the surface for where you are right now to where you want to be. And we talked, you mentioned it. We might not be verbalizing it to the universe. We have high expectations for what we can do. And I, I will tell you this. I know you're going to have the opportunity to do more. And I know, you know, your skill set will represent you being able to support a lot of people. And we talked about servant leadership and things like that. I do want to go into this conversation, though, go around accepting the help, jumping into this dynamic of, I think, as you kind of came up as an individual contributor, you felt a lot of comfortability in doing it and not having somebody be able to take credit for it. Yeah. So I want to, I do want to jump into that because you, along the way, you've had some people talk to you about that, but I think that's helpful for all of us because we've all been there. Yeah. So I spoke about this earlier, right? And, and hopefully it didn't seem like I was celebrating these things. We probably should have done a better job of explaining that these weren't attributes that I, <laughs> I think were good. No, I think you said it right though. Right. We, we articulated yeah, it that way. So this is another area where for someone, I love when someone says, as humble as I am, because that's not a humble statement, right? In all <laughs> right. humility, right? Let me, let, me, let me write that one down <laughs> so I can say that one next time. So, so what ends up happening is for someone who navigates through life the way I do, there were some traits that I exhibited which were very arrogant. Mm. I misunderstood how those manifest in real life. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. So I was very anti-help. I never wanted anyone to, for me to be beholden to you for mm. anything. That's good. I don't want you saying you owe me a favor. Wow. Yeah. And I don't I know what that, that I wanted to be self-made. I felt really strongly about that. And that was this whole machismo thing. Like that's what masculinity is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That's who you are. He he made it by himself. He got to America and made it to college and had success professionally. And now it's in corporate America. And he got to the top mm. in multiple different companies. And, di- like, and so I didn't ever want anyone claiming any part of that success wow. except for me. 
Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Someone who I was not a fan of, someone who I didn't even respect, pointed something out to me once and yeah. made it hot. Mm. And he spoke about, like, why does there always have to be a nemesis in your story? <laughs> he said, like, came out like. Yeah, like, and I was like, what? By the way, if I'm ever in a conversation with you and I say, huh? <laughs> you got me. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> You're right. It's only uh-huh. been a few times, man. Right. It don't happen often. You're right. But- and so he was like, yeah, man. Like, what? Why does it always have to be the case? And so I thought about it after, like, just to myself. I never even said anything to Noel about it. Just like, and I look back, right? And I talk about, look, there was a, I played one time in, I had a game in France. Yeah. And there was a kid that I matched up with, dude I matched up with. I was like, oh, it's him. This dude was an All-American in college, All-American in high school. You won't let it go, man. And we worked ABCD camp. It's oh, All-American back camp. Back then. <laughs> like, so this is my <laughs> sophomore year in college. I'm working the camp for high school kids, but it's an All-American camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, a really good crop of college players are there. Yeah. And we're getting to play with each other. Yeah, because y'all play after the camp and all yes, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing drills. George Carl's, he actually set it up for me. Wow, okay. So, well, it's awesome, right? And then this kid, this dude, I remember we were doing drills, and something happened, and he looked back at me and, like, scoffed at me. Like, Again, I was like, what? Bad news bears, man. I was like, what's that? Oh, okay. I got something for you. And we didn't get to play. Which we didn't drove get to you nuts. And then guess what? Seven years. You said seven? How many years? Seven years later, it's in France. Guess who's got to match up with me? <laughs> Didn't somebody else call you? My homeboy, my, my, my homeboy, my homeboy. <laughs> what, did, team, what did he on do to you? He was like, he was like, yo, he's like, yo, what's the deal, man? He owe you money or something? I'm like, <laughs> like literally, I would not let him get a good, like, I was angry. Man. And that's the thing, right? That's, it wasn't a productive way to navigate. Yeah. Because it's always something. It's a zero-sum game. It is, man. It like, is. okay, I beat you out, but no one's... I'm not winning. Like, it's this a negative feel. Like, and when I would win or or how I saw it, when I would succeed there, like, I didn't feel better about it. Like, yeah. winning the game and winning that aspect of the game is cool. But, like, doing that to someone? Yeah. Like, having them be that in that space in your mind? That's so good, man. And it wasn't, it wasn't productive. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. And so that was that that mindset that I had to change. Yeah. And so with that, there's a level of arrogance and ugliness in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so now I'm at a place where people are offering me opportunities and I'm actively shutting them down. Like, wow. Hey, there's a there's a leadership role here. Have you thought about that? Oh, uh, yeah, I'll call you about that, man. I'll hear you up about that sometime. Hey, Kojo, you are real. I think you've got a skill set that would really be good for this company. And it's a really high profile gig. You should look in. Yeah, man, I'm good right now, man. Thanks. You don't want that, want none of that hanging over your head, right? I don't want anyone, I don't, I don't want anyone to claim any part of my success. Mm. And that's what it really was. Yeah. And so someone else came to me with the opportunity. I'm like, Listen, every job I've got, I haven't gotten a referral. I've gotten it off, off of my own work and will. <laughs> You're celebrating that. that. And that's what they said. <laughs> they said, Kojo, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing, buddy. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, dude, the level that you've gone to, if you haven't gotten a referral 
for a more high profile gig, that means people don't trust don't you trust, yeah. or don't think you can do it. Yeah. And you're actively batting them away. Mm. Mm. These aren't positives, man. And I was like, wow. Huh? Huh? Yo, there it goes. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And so it was pretty crazy. Literally the next week, my current boss reached out to me. And I thought it was something mundane. I didn't yeah. know. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's connect, man. I, you know, we did business with them. Yeah. But not with me directly. Yeah. And we had a conversation. And that was, that's how it all started. Wow. I think you got to be open, though, too. And there's timing in that. Does that make sense? I think there's yeah, timing. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Your, your journey of learning and gaining confidence in this space. And that's what I want to share with everyone. Because I think we're all like say you're getting feedback right now like that and you're coming to your understanding and your truth which we even talked about referring to coach eastman's book like the truth like the greatest players actually want the truth yes if you're open to hear that i think there's these dynamics to where if the timing's right you you begin to get positioned and other things begin to play out and i think that's what you know you're getting the benefit of and i i again i i gotta throw this out there this is just a start brother this is just going to be the start. So two things we're going to, you know, we'll we'll get to kind of the path of resolution type right, scenario right. that we talk about. And, you know, we're going to have you communicate around, like, what do you want the listeners to learn? But I do want to have this one part to have a little bit of fun, Cole, because like we talk about you laughter and, you know, I was able to kind of get some insights from your, your family, your brothers mm-hmm. and sister, and I'll say all them pops, Wyafi. Uh, Benson and Audrey. So I want to appreciate them for their feedback. But I'm going to jump into this part and I'm going to call it what you know about. And then I'm going to go and say something. And then maybe you can just give us a few phrases and words about some of the stuff that I mentioned. Uh, I think it'll be fun. So, you know, for those that know Co, some of these stories, you're going to be like, ooh, like I know exactly what's going on. So I'm going to start with this one. What you know about road rage and stick your tongue out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's crazy. I was back in London with my brother and we were driving. I'm driving in London <laughs> and I'm hitting the horn. Like this dude is like blocking the, the intersection. Anyway, I pull up to him trying to let him have yeah. peace of my mind and he just sticks his tongue out of him. <laughs> like, you want to neutralize the situation? Just do that in the road. Just do just that. Just stick but, your tongue out of him? Yeah, just, I was like, you know, uh, you got it, man. You said, win, you got bro. me, dog. You, you got, got it, me. Um, have a good day, man. <laughs> so the next one is, what you know about the $100 tip? Oh, th- yes. The $100 tip. Mm. So it's interesting. I was on a date with Noel. Yeah. We went to New York and we went on a date went to this club and I went to go buy some drinks, right? Yeah. And I'm standing at the bar for a while. Okay. And we, we already spoken about waiter indifference, right? <laughs> we did. We did. So I'm like, hey lady, what's going on, man? Get can I get my drinks? <laughs> and she's like, what what do you want? And she gives me the drinks. It was like nineteen dollars. Mm. So I give her a twenty. I'm like, I'm good. Keep the change. I told her keep the change. I didn't like her attitude. Anyway, we get outside with later on. I think I was only end of the night. We leave the club and about to get a taxi. That's a whole adventure in itself, by the way. (laughs) Thankfully, I'm with Noel, so she can flag it down. Yeah, yeah. So we get outside and I'm like, wait, why do I have a, I had a hundred and I had a 20. 
Why do I only have a 20? Oh, you didn't put down the 20. <laughs> <laughs> and you thought yeah. you was I told her to keep the it. change, girl. No. She's like, thank you. <laughs> I turned around, went to walk back in. I was like, you know what? Yeah, she got it. Whatever. Oh, whatever. brother. That, that makes my day, man. Yeah. You put down the 100. Put down the 100. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, wow. I appreciate you indulging me on this, man. I thought that would be fun to bring some of that in. But, you know, I think what the listeners want to hear from you, man, what are just, you know, what would you have as your takeaways? Again, I, I referenced, you know, our normal uh, mode of operation is to do paths to resolution. But mm-hmm. this is more like what takeaways, you know, would you have for the listeners when you think about your story and things they can learn from or even have debut moments from? So, yeah, this is... It's been a, a great episode for me. I appreciate yeah. everything you've done and, and getting this to us to this point. There are a couple areas that I feel very strongly about that I want to highlight here, as you mentioned. So dreams. Mm, yeah, dreams, man. Like how important they are to everyone. I don't care how old you are. Not so not just kids dream. No. That's so good. I'm talking having Something that, and sometimes I, I've got some really lofty ambitions, and I've yeah, spoken to you about that, yeah. as well as my wife, and and they're big, right? And what's great about that is both of us in our lifetimes have done things so far out of the realm mm, so of good. possibility yep. for where we were, mm-hmm. and that does something to a person, yeah. Like now, the things that seem out of reach and a lot of folks would think are so lofty and beyond attainability are not. Man. They're not. Like it doesn't, very little phases me when I think about my aspirations. And I think everyone, regardless how old you are, you should have those Mm. and and come up with a plan to attain them. True. True. True, because yes. it doesn't come become anything of value until you plan and have a, a purpose and a goal to attain those dreams. Yeah. So, and in saying that too, I've been blessed with people in my life who helped me attain those dreams, and I want to acknowledge those folks here too. Jimmy Rogers, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. He passed away. His second anniversary of his passing is actually coming up pretty soon. Mm. He, he died um, to, in 2018, October 1st. I want to acknowledge him. He was the coach who I first shared this yeah. with in England. Um, of course, um, Joe White, he passed away, unfortunately, in 2002. And he was huge in this process. Yeah. And remember I told you he instilled a confidence in me yep. that no one – had ever done before. Yeah. Actually putting you in front of others like, yes. this is how you do it. Yeah. He celebrated mm. me as a, an example of excellence. Yeah. Um, and and a couple of the folks here, of course, Cedric Baker, my yep. assistant high school coach was huge in that process. And actually, I want to acknowledge someone else to Jeff Mayer. Oh, was, yeah. Coach Mayer, man. Coach Mayer is assistant coach with us at Washington State. And, you know, in episode two, I think we spoke about white people who are anti-racist. And he falls into that category. Oh, man. He was one of the few adults I had, white adults I had dialogue around race with. Man. And he understood it. He got it. 
he passed away. His yeah. actually his second anniversary, his first anniversary of his passing is coming up here in, um, yeah. next week. Uh, rest in peace, um, Jeff Mayer. Yeah. And then, of course, I there are another group of, of course, my parents are massive. In yeah, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to also acknowledge some of the mistakes that I made. Mm. Right. My parents fall into that where I misunderstood their intention. Yeah. Like they would actually helped you. Right. Yes. And so I I didn't understand their discipline in my life. I didn't understand why they had so many rules and they were so focused on us living a certain way and conducting ourselves in a certain manner. Right. Right. And, And I've now acknowledged that and understand that that's a behavior that I didn't recognize at that time. And it's just, it's actually a positive character trait it, of yours I, now. It, right? Yeah. It is. As of you. Yeah. Yes, right? sir. And you got that from your mom. mom. Yep. The discipline and the focus on the work ethic. And then also another one, Coach Eastman. Yeah. It's interesting because I failed to understand the grace and favor that I had with him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And instead yep. of leveraging that, right, I'm not talking about abusing it. And taking advantage of someone, I could have had candid dialogue with him, right? And my career, I think, would have been better off for it. Yeah, yeah, college-wise, because what's crazy yes. is you hit your stride after. But yeah, what could, confidence could you have taken going into that? Right, you know? and just even separate from the game, just understanding mm, how to have I got dialogue you. with someone, I got and be you. candid and honest about my injury. Yeah. Yes. Right. Like I, I was out there hobbling, trying to mask an injury when I could have just been like, I'm not ready and I'm fearful that I'm going to lose opportunity mm. to play. Yeah, that's good, man. And he's, he's the type of person who he absolutely would have understood and reassured totally. me. Totally. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I think that's important. Mm. And so being self-aware is critical to yeah. any type of growth in whatever you were doing. For me to be able to accept that help. Yeah. I missed out on so many opportunities in my life because I was so stubborn and not being willing to accept the help. Yeah. Yeah. I was convinced that the cream always rising to the top was it. Yeah. But that doesn't, that's not the case. It's not. It's Mm. not. Listen, I can have an intellectual argument about that with anyone, right? Because there are so many factors that go into being able to execute against that. Yeah. Regardless what it is, timing, situation, surroundings, mindset, just because you're, you're talented and you're skilled and you got work, that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean you're going to succeed. Yeah, you're, you're right. So being self-aware of all of this stuff and then being an example mm. for people. Yeah. Like that's going to happen no matter what. Wow. People are going to watch you. You say you're going to be an example whether you whether you wanted it to be. It's yes. going to happen regardless. Un- understanding that the difference between character and reputation. Wow. That's a nugget right there, man. This is someone who I'm not a fan of either, by the way, <laughs> who gave me perspective. And he's like, do you know the difference between character and reputation? Reputation is what everyone knows you to be and who you are mm. versus Characters, who you really are and what you really do. Wow. Yeah. You know, those are really big things for me. And I feel as though there were areas where I failed. Yeah. And a number of things, right? Not understanding the impact of those folks. Right. 
and knowing that I had favor with Coach Eastman and yep. not taking advantage of it, not knowing that the people who were giving me referrals were in my corner. Yeah. And understanding that, like, the truth. We spoke about the truth. Yeah. The importance yeah. of that. In my, not having a mentorship up until I played professionally. I told wow. John, John Gregg was my agent, and he – Changed how I looked at the game. Yeah, tactically. Like, what yes. are you trying to get? What are you focused on? How are you doing this? Yes. Wow. And so these were all things that I lacked in so much of my life, but the things that I was really fortunate to have learned from some of these people, right? I spoke about my father and yeah, the relevancy he put on and importance he put on excellence. Yeah. Yep. Not perfection. Not perfection, excellent. excellent. Doing something and doing it well to the mm. best of my ability. Mm. Cedric, Cedric Baker, my yeah. coach, the perspective he had and being affectionate. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. how important that was. Because Telling you he loved you, right? Yes. Words of affirmation. Mm. Like that was an area which was a deficit for me. Yeah. And so he was really good at that. And that's and I, interesting. That's, a, if you know, love language. That's, that's actually yes. one of them for you. It is. Wow. It is. And it changed my perspective also on what masculinity was. Wow. Being thoughtful, kind, and generous. Those yeah. are all parts of my version of masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Maybe we need to talk about that too. We will. Uh, well, maybe we, we change. Maybe we need to change that definition of masculinity. <laughs> we need to add another. Dictionary. What would you do? <laughs> right. Because someone who isn't thoughtful and kind and generous doesn't qualify as masculine in my mind. Yeah. And then. Not allowing fear to exist in the mm. same space as faith. <laughs> Can they both exist in the same not, place? Not successfully. Yeah. And it's crazy. 50 Cent brought that up most recently. That's an old thing, but 50 Cent said faith and fear can't exist in the same space. Mm. That's 50 Cent. 50 Cent, man. 50. And try not to be circumstantial. Mm. I was in these situations. And it was hard because I've got to make life decisions. You Yes. And look beyond the moment. Yeah. Like desperation will throw you all the way off, man. Wow. Trying to understand where I am and what its long-term impact is. Yeah. And then getting away, we, we spoke about this a lot, right? The zero-sum game, getting yeah. rid of the antagonist. Mm. Dissolving it. I, that's what I had wrote down. Like you went through this journey of dissolving the antagonist, man. That's yeah. so good. Uh, not every, there doesn't have to be an enemy or nemesis in it or every <sighs> chapter of my book. Why not have it some, be something that can be celebrated? Wow. Why not something positive? Right now I have a family. Right now, yeah. now I've got a wife. Like these things are good things. There's something to motivate you beyond just getting even because someone spoke ill of you. Yeah. There's a book and we're going to, there's so many books I want to speak about. The Bait of Satan. Mm. It's by John Bevere. Yeah, we're going to definitely have an episode on that. Just on, yes. Like, and this was something I really struggled with was offense. Mm. Yeah. Like, because everything, like, what did he say? Someone's like, he wasn't even talking to you, man. Relax. Because everything can be offensive, like, right? Like everything, mm. everything. And the book delves into that. Yeah. And it talks about the word offense and where it comes from, where it's derived yeah. from. And it's like, whew. And I understood, like, these are things that I struggle with. Yeah. And it impacted my professional life and my personal life. And once I got past that, mm. I was just like, man, 
And finally, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge something here. You know, I spoke earlier about people who were really important to me mm-hmm. who have passed Jimmy Rogers, Joe White, Coach Jeff Mayer. But also, obviously, want to speak about my son, Noah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right? His 13th anniversary of his passing oh, is wow. coming up in a couple mm-hmm. months. And so want to send some love his yeah. way um, and just let it be known that that's an everyday thought mm-hmm. in my mind that I am an example to his brother and his sisters of how to be a godly example of a father and a man to them. Yeah, and I, you know, only thing I would add is I'm just grateful for you in how you even let, you know, those close to you into that. Like, it's not a, for me, he is real. He was, you know, like he is, he is still with us. And it's just, it's honorable, man. Um, just to see how you've like navigated that. And like, it is a part of the family. I think I might've mentioned that. Like he is the fourth child. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no doubt. So, you know, like, you know, for the listeners, those that know you, man, like we, you know, we're loving you through that and, and we'll, we're going to be able to see Noah, right? Um, on the other side, man. But like, I, you know, I know how important that was and even your growth in a friendship with me. Right, right. You know, man. And you know, that's, uh, I've never told that story before. Yeah, so I just on the air decided man. to tell it right on the air. But mm-hmm. yeah, of course, um, my wife, Noelle, is, yeah, I want to dedicate this episode to her. Um, and our beautiful kids so thank you all for listening that was that was a long two part piece yeah man (laughs) worth it though worth it man hopefully someone found value in it all right Cole man this is the part that the listeners have been engaging in man really proud and excited for them on just kind of jumping in on our website so um, this is what we call what would you do no what would you do here we go man what would you do so co what you got for the listeners today to get engaged on with you man well i think since we're on this topic it's germane to what we've been talking about we're going to start this off for the kids there are a number of high school kids who who want to play collegiate athletics right compete at the collegiate level yeah and have a lot of questions for us and uh, we're going to start off with this for them okay so what would you do if I promised you that at the end of four years you could play or start in whatever sport it is that you do right Mm. you could start and play 40 minutes for the last 10 games of your career but what what I got to do for that but okay okay but before you get to those Mm -hmm. last 10 games You've got four years of, before you even get to the men's team, you have to practice with the women for an entire season for the men, okay? And and with no sight of playing, right? Because you're, it's not even, you can't even play in that that team, right? So it's a little ball, man. Yes. Gotta shoot the big ball after. Come on, come on, man. And for the uh, female athletes, Imagine you had to do it for a whole a different sport altogether. Wow! So you're doing crew in order to be able to exactly got you. Mm. And then 
you, when you finally get to the place where you want to be, now you have to practice and travel with the team and do conditioning with no with no guarantee of playing with no chance of playing really right that's what i was actually told by one of our strength coaches that i won't name Oof. and you do that for three and a half years <clears throat> do you even understand what happens in the shoot around part of, part of this thing what do you mean i don't understand what you're talking about so like three and a half years of not even saying you're going to be in the game not part of any scouting report right, right. i actually had to rebound for the star players to have them warmed up so they could be ready to start the game dog I'm sorry, we gotta get some color on this one. So I'm not even done yet though. So then I'd be also Ding them up when they're working on their because I'm a point guard working on their dribbling drills. I'm not even touching the ball. Like I'm not dribbling. So you're literally during shoot around. You don't even get to shoot around. No. Outside of layups layups when we come out to do one. That's it, man. Yo, that was (laughs) (laughs) So so when I did get in. Why did I not know this? Bro, because you was over there warming up. And I grabbed a few for you. <laughs> I needed a personal rebounder. Why the hell did not happen? Why need that said he said? Man. Wow. Yeah, brother. So when you got in the game, if you got a bucket, muscle, you were ready. Muscle memory, dog. I'm ready. Skill. On tap, dog. Wow. Yeah. So kids, that's for you. Would you be willing to do that? Mm. Would you ride a bike two hours to practice? Ooh, I'm not sure about that one for me. And two hours home? Mm-mm. Would you do that? Mm-mm. Nah, man. <laughs> like, how much do you really want this? Mm. That's a good one, man. Are we going to leave the adults out of this one? No, no. And this is for the young adults. For you young adults in college, because we know there are a number of collegiate kids who are listening. What would you do at the end of your college career? You mm. finish either athletically or just academically, right? You're finished your college career and if i promised you by the time you hit 40 you would have an executive vp career an illustrious one at fortune one company but in order to start that career yeah you'd have to wear the brown jacket come on man and get cussed out by the people you know that that told you they did the fishing license wrong right (laughs) would you work in a, a, a local convenience store mm, to start off that career. Dang. Could you humble yourself and learn from what a number of people call the bottom of the totem pole? Mm. Do you have that? Tell yeah. us, folks. Yeah, Talk you, to us. Y'all got to let us know, man. This is cool. This is a good one, man. This one obviously touches home for both of us. Right. Now that I hear you say all that stuff, I, I don't know, man, if I didn't know, if I didn't go through it, if... I would have made, you? made some of those really? choices. Yeah, I don't know, man. And I'm not riding a bike, dog. And no, you, you, you'd probably ride the bike. I ain't riding a bike, man. No, it's a game changer, man. That's what's in my mind. It separated me <laughs> from everybody else, man. Well, man, we, you know, Cole, I want to say this, man. Like, I am so glad we did two parts mm. because, man, you just, you really are able to articulate and unpack a lot of things. And for me, it's digestible and simple. Mm. Um, and then you were vulnerable, man. And you shared some things, you know, that I feel like, you know, only the closest people that know you do. And so what I would tell the listeners, man, it, it's an honor to be able to hear some of that. And hopefully it'll help some other people that might be going through the same stuff. Yeah, it was good for me. Thank you all for listening. I, you know, that part about knowing, like, I, I've never mm. told that anyone. I know, man. You know, wow. that I've never told that story. So there you go, folks that shared that story with everyone out there. Yeah in the podcast world but you know i'm glad 
to share and I just hope someone found value in it, man. Yep, and then they gotta hit us up where, Cole? Oh, www.thedebut.com. Man, get so, it. Come get on, it. jump on our website. Obviously, you're listening to us now on a number of different podcasting platforms, but yeah. go ahead and go to our website or IG or Facebook and put a comment on yeah. our What Would You Do segment or give feedback to us. Thank, Thank you, guys. Talk to you later.